One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to another episode of the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. For first-time listeners, please be aware that not all of the conversations within this podcast are suitable for children. I'd also like to add a trigger warning that sometimes the conversations can get a little heavy. We may talk about things like sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug use and alcohol use. And if you feel that that may trigger you, please do not tune in. Also, I'd like to add, if you are a heavy daily drinker, please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bunjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery, who makes sophisticated elk-free drinks that still have all the taste of a good time. G&T without the tears, whiskey without the wobbles, and other delicious cocktails too. Switching the ritual instead of ditching the ritual is so much easier. Stay in high spirits, keep a clear mind, head to mondaydistillery.com for more. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm joined by one of the How I Quit Alcohol grads all the way from over in Ireland. Her name is Anya, not to be confused with Anya Tyrrell who was on recently, but this is Anya who's living in Ireland and has just been absolutely smashing it out of the park with the whole just connecting with yourself. We're going to have, I can't wait for this whole conversation actually about where her sobriety journey has led her. But welcome Anya, how are you doing today? Hi, Danny. Thank you. I'm doing great. Lovely to be here with you. It's great to have you here today in the Zoom room and to connect like this. Tell me, how long have you been sober for now as of today's recording? Well, it's the 21st of April today and I will be sober a year on the 1st of May. Almost a year. By the time this podcast is aired, we'll be past that date too. So congratulations in advance for your one year. Thanks, Danny. So, Brady, tell us a bit about your story and how your relationship with alcohol got started and how it turned and got to a point where you thought you wanted to cut it out. 
Okay, well, I mean, I started drinking fairly early, Danny, as I think most people that I know did. I probably had my first drink of alcohol when I was about 14. And then by the time I was 16 or 17, I was drinking regularly weekends, binge drinking. And then in my 20s, I was doing what everybody else did. I was at university, I suppose, first. And, you know, Thursday nights was a big night out. And we'd drink a bottle of wine before we even left the house. And that sort of was my university years and any other opportunity I got to drink. And then in my 20s, when I started working, it was Friday night. Do the same again on Saturday. Die all day Sunday. (laughs) Um, Go back to work and do the same again. So, yeah, my 20s were just binge drinking, you know, at the weekends. And and that sort of was my way of drinking, I guess. When I hit my 30s then, had my children, things probably calmed down a bit. And the binge drinking became less frequent. But I still would have always had a couple of glasses of wine on a, on a Friday and Saturday and that kind of thing. And then when I got to my 40s and my children were up a bit and I sort of started getting into, I had a great morning routine to start with. So I was getting up early every morning and I was doing morning pages, meditation, yoga, and this really continued on. And then over COVID, that really got so, I don't know if it was just the length of time I was doing it or whatever, but it became so important to me and I was feeling so good doing that. But at the same time, I still had this, you know, I still had the same routine in, in the weekends. Friday, I would finish work and I was like legging it downstairs, get my cocktail going and all of that side of things. And But I was never a big drinker on a regular basis. But I had groups of friends down. I loved to party as I did in my 20s. And I had groups of friends where I would go out and drink way too much and uh, say things that I regretted and, you know, wake up with the shame of it, embarrassment. And that's it. I'm never drinking again. So that was sort of, I was conscious of this need to sort of always have a drink on a Friday and a Saturday. And then it became like Sunday lunchtime at lunch. And what I started noticing, and maybe it was because I was reflecting so much in those mornings, I started noticing the thoughts that I was having. And one of the things that really bothered me was, for example, if my one of my sons had a you know, a soccer match on a Friday and my husband couldn't take him, it would flash through my mind. Oh, shit, you know, I'm going to have to wait until after the soccer match to have a drink. And another thing that sort of happened in Ireland as well at the time was that you were no longer allowed to drink any alcohol and drive. So it used to be that you could go for dinner, have a glass of wine and drive home. And that was again, that was fine for me. When I couldn't do that anymore, I noticed that I really missed that. And it bothered me that actually that that even flashed through my mind. Like for me, it was like, oh. I have to take my son to this party or whatever, but it's going to interrupt my glass of wine. So it really said to me, Danny, like, there's mm-hmm. something there. So I sort of thought, okay, well, I don't drink much. I can quit. And I tried a couple of times and um, said, right, this month I'm not going to drink. And then the next thing, something would come up or someone would have a party. And I'd be like, oh, fine, you know, do it some other time. And then I think sort of what really pushed me forward was I went out one night, well, over a year ago. and got really, really drunk and it was with a group of girls and it was fun and we danced and all the rest. But I don't really remember getting home. And I remember waking up. I don't really remember much of the end of the night at all. And I remember thinking, here I am, 43 and I'm still doing this. So I started looking around for stuff. OK, I realised I can't just stop myself. And I started listening to podcasts and then I came across your beautiful podcast. Because some of the ones that other ones that I've listened to, Danny, it just just they didn't really speak to me because I was sort of still telling myself, I don't have a problem with drinking. It's just that's what everybody does. And it's a social thing. I remember saying to somebody sometime one time that quitting alcohol in Ireland would be total social suicide. And I really mm. believed that. I believed that I 
mm-hmm. nothing to do anymore. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so yeah, I signed up for your six week challenge. And that's what I told myself initially. I'll just do it for six weeks, see what happens. And probably it was more that I was telling everybody else that because I didn't want people to judge me or whatever. And I just learned so much from that. I learned so much from the things that you taught us and the things that other people were sharing and when you see alcohol for what it is, for the reality of it, you can't unsee it then. I mean, that's certainly the way it was for me. Mm-hmm. I just, for the first time, saw it as an addictive substance. And I realized that, yeah, it's probably just my own determination that I wasn't going to drink during the week or that I wasn't going to that sort of hard line that I drew. But if it wasn't for other things in my life that stopped me, like my children, like my job, like my husband, who's a very moderate drinker, I would have been drinking every day and I know that and I admitted that to myself so yeah so that was that's how I ended up sort of there that at that stage a year ago yeah yeah it's so important that when we start to see alcohol for what it really is when we kind of can separate the it's my best friend it helps me relax it keeps me company but actually seeing it for what it is not just an addictive substance but when you saw it for what it was what was that as well, apart from being a, an addictive substance? Yeah, I think for me, it was definitely, I thought that it helped me reduce my stress. So my job can be busy, my job can be stressful. So I totally associated that then on a Friday when I finished work. Ah, I can kick back, I can relax, you know, with a glass of wine. And also the social side of it, Danny, that I could go out and to a point, have a few drinks, be all chatty and socialising with people. And it for me, in my head, it helped me to do that. Obviously, I went across the line and started talking shit. But those were the things that I felt that um, it did. I saw for what it was. It really stopped me from living my life fully, Danny. It was a sort of a shield that I put up between me and life. Wow, that's so powerful. Even that just, it was a shield between me and life. Fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because life can be scary. And also when I started doing this work and realizing my own traumas and my own things that I needed to work on, I could clearly see how I used alcohol actually to numb those feelings and to help me just sort of to cope with it. And I totally understand why I needed to do that, Danny, because at that time I didn't have access to all the other things that would actually help me do that in a healthy way. So, yeah, certainly for me, it was a too numb, difficult feelings, yeah, to shield me from the fears, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing what you mentioned earlier, quitting drinking in Ireland could be social suicide. I mean, from the people that I've coached from Ireland or who have had parents that were Irish, it is in the DNA, literally, when we talk about epigenetics, there is yeah. so much. We think we've got it bad in Australia, like the drinking culture in Ireland. And I hope it's okay for me to say this, being Australian, but it, it's everywhere from what I understand. And it just goes back for generations and generations. There's the cultural oppression as well. When we talked about that, I mean, we talked about that a little in our one-on-one that we first had together. Yeah. And that was a bit of a, an eye-opener in a way for yeah. you. But tell me a bit about that, the social expectation in Ireland and also growing up with that. What was it like for you growing up, if it's okay for yeah. you to go there, being surrounded by alcohol? Yeah, well, alcohol, as you say, is a massive part of the Irish culture. It certainly was for me and in my family. I know so many people 
who suffer from alcoholism, so many people whose lives have been destroyed due to alcohol, so many people who've taken their own lives due to alcohol. So for me, growing up, alcohol was just a, a part of my life. So when I was growing up, alcohol was just a part of everyday life. It was something that adults did and something that we as children, I suppose, were there for. There was no separation between what children see. I accompanied my, my mother to bars and there for parties and all of that side of things. So for me, alcohol as a child was a scary thing because I saw how it changed my mother. I saw how it changed people, adults that I knew to be a certain way. And then they weren't the same anymore. So, yeah, so it was norm. It was the norm and that was it. And that was the same for everybody I knew. Maybe not everybody. I mean, certainly I had friends whose parents didn't drink. You know, I absolutely craved that. Um, just having parents who were the same all the time. Because for me, that was something about alcohol. When people drank, they changed and they were unpredictable. And I think so whenever I, I grew up, that was... I didn't even question it. I continued on with that. I'm near enough an adult now, so that's what I do as well. I drink and I continue on with that. But I think culturally, you know, it has been. And it's it's interesting, Danny, that in one way, alcohol goes back the generations. But I've been thinking about this recently because it's different now. When I think of my parents' generation, I mean, the church had such a big influence. Like people like my grandmother, who's a Catholic and took the pledge and never drank her whole life. And my father was the same. He never drank. So there was a, a large part of the Irish population where the pledge was this Catholic sort of commitment, I guess, to not drink alcohol so even though it has been there in ways on down the line that abstinence from it also has been there and that doesn't mm -hmm. exist anymore that abstinence so I mean certainly I don't know anybody who's taken the pledge but it is changing I think as well in that people like me are recognizing that there's something wrong with the way alcohol is everything and everything is designed around alcohol parties and events mm -hmm. and all of these things alcohol is a part of them so, yeah, so there's something about this generation, maybe my parents' generation sort of towards the, the younger side of it. But I think there is definitely something about this generation where there is more alcohol available. People have more money to buy alcohol. It's just more accessible to people and students away, you know, leaving home earlier than people in my parents' generation ever would have. So, yeah, for me, it, it is definitely very different in this generation. Yeah, I think even if it's not just the noting of the drinking that goes back generations, which, I've, like you just said, it's not, it wasn't everyone, not everyone drank through yeah. the family line, but also there's this lineage of trauma as well that yeah. comes down the line as well, which affects us epigenetically as well, I guess. But it's, it's there. I mean, that's there with every culture too, isn't it? Yeah. So that's great also that you point that out, that not everyone was drinking. And I guess that's kind yeah. of the vision that we get, I guess, sometimes thinking about Irish culture, that everyone was drinking. But as you say, there's people with a Catholic, and not everyone does it, of course. You, we can say yeah. everyone does it, but it's, it's definitely there. And there's, there's there's also a fair degree of trauma that's been passed down the line. Yeah. And I think it's it's interesting because it's only whenever I stop drinking that I actually realise that there are a lot of people who don't drink. But because of the stigma attached to not drinking, most people just don't say it. So there's people in my life now who I know and know that they don't drink. And I knew them before and I had no idea that they weren't drinkers because they were conscious of the judgment that might be there and they just didn't say anything. So that's really interesting side of it too. Isn't it just, uh, and it just shows how small alcohol makes our world when we no, think that everyone's doing it, but we realise when we stop, that's certainly one thing I had. I'm like, wow, not everyone drinks as much as I yeah, do. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
very interesting. It's absolutely interesting. So you kind of, you've joined the challenge, which is awesome. And you started to learn some stuff. Tell me where that took you. Yeah. So it's interesting, Danny, because in the first coaching call that I had with you, just talking about my own sort of experiences, my own history with alcohol and things like that, you mentioned to me, oh, did you ever hear of family constellations? I think it would be something that was good for you to explore. And I was thinking, never heard of it. And and I mean, I'm a, I should say, you know, I'm an academic, Danny, I'm a, my background is in complex developmental trauma. You know, I'm really interested in all of those side of things, but I'd never heard of family constellations. And I was thinking, oh, should we never have anything like that in Ireland anyway? But I looked it up and sure enough, just a couple of weeks after we spoke, there was this camp, this family constellations camp in in Wicklow in Ireland. happens every summer. It's five days and Barbara Morgan comes over and runs workshops on constellations every day. And so I said, all right. And I mean, I've never done anything like that, Danny. Just headed off on my own, didn't know anybody, signed up for this thing. And it blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. It was so cool. When you told me that you would, I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> you are one good student. This yeah, awesome. I went. Um, so for people listening, because not, it's not really that commonly known, but family constellations, yeah. I guess, is a form of therapy or intervention, I guess, that some therapists use, yeah. which helps us gain insight and information into our own family history, perhaps our generational yeah. trauma, our family dynamics, and yeah. kind of dysfunctional patterns that are kind of within our family dynamic exactly. I guess is that a good way to describe it yes that's exactly it yeah I mean it is it's a, it's a really good therapeutic tool for us to use to to open the lens in our life Danny you know and yeah we can look at different dynamics in family systems and really for the first time often see the things that are happening in our systems that we were completely unaware of before um, can you explain so- a family system Yeah. So a family, as we know it, is a system, you know, so anybody of that is in your family and you can think of a family that you marry into or partnership and with children, your immediate family like that, but also your family of origin. So brothers, sisters, parents, that kind of thing. And then that extends back to their parents and and all the way back. Yeah. So when we think of a family system, we're not just thinking of the people that are alive. We're also thinking of our ancestors and, and all of that. And we think of it in terms of being a system, Danny, because any system, if you think of the engine of a car, for example, it all functions, it all needs the other parts in order to function. So if one part of the engine of your car isn't working properly, then that's going to affect the other parts in the engine. And that's the same with a family system. If there's something happening with somebody in your family, and sometimes even that can be somebody who isn't with us anymore, that'll affect other parts of the family system. So yeah, it's fascinating work and and it really just opened my eyes to how our traumas are so much bigger than us Danny that often we carry these things and as you say epigenetics shows us that now too but we carry traumas from our parents and sometimes they carry them from their parents and on down the line it goes so it's a really powerful way of looking at those things that just aren't obvious to us and yeah so I went to that camp and I loved it so much I was like I want more of this I I really do so I signed up for facilitator training so I've been, it's a really intensive training course over the last year. I'm almost finished that, just one more module to go. And it's experiential, it's all personal work and really looking at your own systems and looking at um, your shadow parts and welcoming all those in. And yeah, I never would have done that, Danny, if I had still been drinking and that's for sure. 
because as I said earlier on, that the alcohol helped me to numb all of those things. So once I sort of didn't have anything to numb all those things anymore, they were all there. And I just had this drive to yet embrace them and to, to ask myself, what do these things teach me? What has my life taught me so far? What um, what are the ways that I can use to uncover these things? So, yeah, it, it really opened up things for me. Oh my God. If you went in Ireland, I would just, I would just so smother you right now. I've just got tears welling in my eyes and I just feel uh, just amazing. And the growth of like, just to take that journey and to go, yes, Danny mentioned family constellations. Then this camp, I mean, everything is happens for a reason, things that drop in our laps. And I believe that when we're sober, we notice those things or we say yes to things that perhaps we wouldn't have before. And now you're doing the training. You've done the training yeah. Yeah. in Family Constellations, which I'm going to get you back on when you're all said and done so that we can dive deeper into it as well. Yeah, I've never done the group Family Constellation, which I'd love to. Mm-hmm. I've only done it one-on-one with a therapist working on family constellations, but it's pretty amazing what comes out. I actually had a lady message me once saying that she went and did a one-on-one family constellations session with someone from Byron and she came out covered in welts. Like, yeah, no, that was pretty full. And she sent me a photo of the welts and everything. I'm like, holy crap, this stuff is so powerful. It really is, Danny, because we're walking around. I mean, and I think that's one of the tragedies of alcohol as well, is how we just have come so far away from actually being in our bodies and feeling what's happening, you know, because when, for me, certainly anyway, when I drank alcohol, all of that was numbed and all of that was so far away from me. So, yeah, I, I that doesn't surprise me that wealth would come out on somebody so powerful. Whenever you get in touch with your body again, the things you can discover yeah it's unbelievable and it's all about that isn't it I just when I talk to people like even this retreat that Mark and I just ran in Bali and when I finish up a challenge with people the main thing that I hope that I can impart to people is to keep that connection with your own body which is what we do get when we do the work (laughs) when we take alcohol out like you say there's stuff sitting there that's waiting to be worked on and what a beautiful opportunity to dig into and become aware of our own bodies and it's just a tragedy when I think about how disconnected I was or when I see people really drunk I just feel oh you poor thing you're so disconnected and that's not in a judgmental way it's more of just want to I just want to wrap them up and I know how hard it is and how painful it can feel to connect or how scary once you start that connection and really start that conversation with yourself you never want to go back no, you don't. And and it is. And I feel that too. For me, it's sort of finding the balance because you know, certainly in Ireland, if I was going around telling everybody how great it was now that I'm not drinking. And I said that to you earlier about that. There's nearly a, a judgment there in terms of, you know, you think you're great now. You would I drag all mature, you know, crack at all like all you are is, you know. And so for me, there is a real balance there. And I have no judgment on people that drink. I did it obviously for a long, long time myself. But there's also that part of don't of me that wants to say oh god just try it because i'm quitting it for a month is is great but quitting it for a year and forever is just so much better it's just what it can bring to your life danny it's very hard to explain to people and people might look at my life now and see that i'm any different than i was before but inside danny the journey that i've come and this year has been amazing and i know it's only the beginning that's the exciting part of it i'm still very much in the process of figuring everything out because I was what 25 years drinking so 
this new me is so new still and but it's so exciting to wake up and in on a Saturday and a Sunday morning and not feel hungover and not feel oh dragging myself through the day and what that does to your soul Danny and your body and your soul do you know it's just so exciting so we do want to run out and shout to everybody give it a try do it but it's that balance because I wouldn't want it to come across as a judgment because, as I said, I understand that when you don't have opportunities, you don't have the education or the knowledge to deal with your traumas, that actually alcohol might be the only thing that some people have. So, yeah. Yeah. So I recognize that. It's a broader problem, isn't it? That there isn't the support there for people, that there isn't the education there for young people and everyone about alcohol for what it truly is. You know, we're still back there in that place of drink alcohol sensibly but there's no education around I mean I can speak to my sons now and about alcohol in a truthful way and and that feels so good and it feels so good Danny that they're not going to grow up now seeing me pissed I can't tell you just what how much that means to me it's Mm. just yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then that safety that you talked about when you have a parent and they're not the same all the time because they're affected by something and how dysregulating that actually is for a child. Even the smallest, tiniest bit of change they sense, they pick up sort of pets actually. Our kids, they notice even the smallest change in us and not to give parents a hard time who have grown up drinking because yeah. there's always the opportunity for repair, but yeah. it just dysregulates this little person that's seeing hang on mum was like this before and now she's like this what's going on is it me is it something to do with me particularly when parents turn and they get aggressive and violent kids need stability that's one thing I learned about myself my journey having an addicted parent you never know what you're going to get I can be drawn to drama because that's how it is it's up and down and up and down and that's the kind of go-to because you're used to that growing up with that but actually need stability and it's funny because my dad was super stable Mm -hmm. Ash is very stable but actually the one that needs to provide the stability is me so that I feel safe within myself and trust myself and so just giving myself that stability but also what you said earlier just just now that there's no shame in if you have been using alcohol to regulate yourself all this time because you probably didn't know any better Mm -hmm. and that's why we can never shame people and make them feel bad if they're stuck in an addictive cycle either way whether they've got tools or not because they're using it for a reason and they're using it to survive usually to a certain point there was actually I did a coaching call with a lady today who's just beating up on herself so badly about alcohol abuse but I just said to her you should just write yourself a letter of firstly just self-gratitude and just telling yourself well done for surviving this far it's funny too she had a lot of trauma but she was like oh I didn't have it as bad as everyone else that old chestnut that we hear but also just like well done you for surviving getting yourself to 43 years old and you're still in one piece yes you might have an alcohol addiction but there's still there's room to work on this now I think amazing and it amazes me the what people survive through the resilience of people is just actually amazing and especially in doing this constellation work you see you know and yeah we all go into that place of oh my trauma isn't as bad as your trauma we all have our traumas as you well know Danny and the fact that some people come through as children and as adults and are still functioning is just amazing because yeah we use what we can as you say our survivors are there to keep us here and whenever you get the opportunity to actually when that little light starts quaking in 
to sort of say, hmm, maybe there's another way. Maybe there's a different way here. That's your opportunity. And that's what happened to me. That little light. Follow that light and see where it leads you. Because, yeah, there's great things. Great things that can happen just by taking, you know, a step that makes sense to you. Whenever you tune into what makes sense to you on the inside and follow that. That's what it's about, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my God. That is so beautiful. Oh my God, what a beautiful thing to say. And that's right. Just tune in when that little bit of, when that light shines in and follow it. Oh my God. Yeah. What is that light, do you think? I think that is our unassailable core, Danny. That part of us that actually is, people call it different things, our soul, our spirit, whatever it is, but it is that part of us that has been there since probably before we were born, probably before we conceived and is always there. And, you know, I just truly believe that we we, we come here to learn that life is a lesson and everything that happens in it has a lesson for us and something to teach us. And that little light is there to guide us. But unfortunately, sometimes we don't know that. Nobody teaches us that. And uh, yeah, but when it starts making itself known, that's our true call. And I think just to to follow it. But it's mm-hmm. practice and all these beautiful practices that you do, Danny, with us grads and things like that, with the breathing and the meditation and yoga and all of that, I think really just helps us to clear out the shit and sit in silence with this part. Mm, it's so beautiful. It makes me want to break into this a lot of mine. I'm going to let it shine. <laughs> Just like, what a beautiful song. And I'll look at that song differently forever now, but it just reminds me of that. And that's right. And then the meditation helps us sit with that light, that part of us. Gabor says that there's part of us that loves us enough to start getting us well. And I think that's the part, that's the soul, that's deeper calling. And you can go as woo-woo as you like with this stuff. But yeah. I totally agree with you. It's it's our soul. It's this part of us mm-hmm. that says, come on, there's mm-hmm. a better way here. And yeah. reconnect with me. It's like this part of us that's calling us home to reconnect to our high being. I really believe that. Fully agree. Yeah, and I I just think that for me, alcohol got in the way of seeing that. And it at the same time, it was that little voice that was saying, mm, you know, there's something not right here. It was that little voice that was there just sort of gently saying to me, will you consider there's other ways? Mm, I love that. Absolutely. It's not always easy either, this journey, especially when we're going deep and we're doing some serious, like you have done this deep, deep education around this work. It's not always easy. And you and I have talked separate to this, obviously, about the need to, when we're doing deep work, having some guidance with someone, seeing a therapist. It's really important. Yeah. It really is because things like family constellations and other work, it opens up, as I said, it opens up a lens and it, it shows you what you need to see. And then the work begins because when you see what you need to see, then you sort of say, well, what am I going to do about that? What is my um, next step? And I think that, as you said, when you start on this work, we start uncovering our, the different parts of ourselves and all those little child parts of ourselves that we've dampened down for so long and ignored for so long, even though they're present. And as you well know, we're led by our shadows. So when they start coming out and, and those parts of us that we've just yeah ignored for so long, it can be overwhelming and it can make us sort of even backtrack because where do we go when we're overwhelmed? Oh, I'd love a drink, that sort of side of things. So it's really important to have support. It's really and that's why the grads group is so great as well and having your support Danny but yeah therapy of some kind to help us integrate everything that we're learning and everything that is coming off for us is absolutely essential yeah 
Yeah, I really agree that it's so, so important to have that guidance, to have someone holding you. And and like I've said many times before on these podcasts, I have a wonderful, well, actually my therapist passed away, but I've got someone else to, to go to. Yeah, it's just so important to be held by someone and seeing them regularly because there's always something there. Yeah. Look, and I remember going to sessions with my therapist and saying I would see her once a month uh, just to, yeah. just because of the work I do too. There, there's oh. a, you, you just have to have a download. And But I'd say to her, I feel so good. Like, let's just chat. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about you. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, we're talking about you. But there would, and at the end of it, there would always be something that, that needed to be worked on or addressed. And I would just be so grateful because she was so tender and beautiful yeah. and the way she would hold that space for me. Just beautiful. And we all need it. I, I really do believe that. We just, it's good to just yeah. have someone, even once a month. Yeah. A therapist, a psychotherapist, I always prefer or a trauma-informed coach even, just someone that you continue to work with. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. really helps, yeah. Yeah. I want to talk a bit more about the disconnection from the body and how alcohol keeps us so disconnected. For people Mm. listening who may not have had this conversation before, how would someone recognise when they don't have this conversation, haven't had this conversation, I am becoming disconnected from myself, I'm I'm very far from my soul. How do you feel like someone might recognize that what are the signs yeah I mean for me I think really important signs are strong emotion and also bodily pain so tension in my muscles or you know sometimes chronic pain I had a chronic hip pain for years that I ignored but even things like headaches and that sort of thing Danny before I would have had strong emotions that I wouldn't even have touched in with them I would have just been saying oh I just feel crap today or whatever. I'd lash out or I'd do whatever. But now I recognize that whenever I'm feeling those strong emotions like anger, rage, um, sadness, frustration, whatever it is, or if I have a headache or I have whatever pain in my body, for me now that is some little part inside of me that's trying to speak. And we can think of it as an inner child part or or whatever, because those parts don't speak in words, Danny. Those parts speak in emotion and feeling. So those are are for me those are real red flags that I'm moving away from actually my body I'm moving away from what's happening to me and if my response is to drink then some whatever else it is that I do to numb that that's not healthy so I use different techniques now to get in touch with those parts just sit maybe and feel into it but I also sometimes use that technique of writing with my weaker hand so I'm I'm right-handed and I use the technique of saying okay headache what part are you what do you you know and so I write that question down with my stronger hand and then I respond with my left hand and I sometimes draw pictures yeah so this is there's a book recovery of your inner child the author is Lucia Capacioni I think I'm probably pronouncing it wrong but um yeah recovery of your inner child so the technique there is to get to know your inner child first but the main technique of it is that you use your your strong hand to communicate as your adult self and your weaker hand to communicate as your inner child parts you can draw pictures you can have conversations and it is amazing Danny how the things come up I mean I've done I've had a headache and done this and when I finished the headache is completely gone oh my god I've never heard of this yeah so sorry I just cut you off now I'm just too excited okay Okay, let's just go back over this again so you can actually ask a part of yourself what's going on whether it's something that shows up in the body can you do it with I'm feeling upset right now 
Absolutely. You can do it with emotions. Yeah. So I would write something like, hello there. I can see that you're feeling upset right now. Is there anything that I can do for you? So I would spend a moment, Danny, like touching, I should say before that, I would spend a moment just imagining my inner child, visualizing, you know, as you do with inner child meditations, things like that, just imagine just briefly. And then I write that down. Hello there. I can see you're feeling a bit upset right now. What's happening? Or is there any way I can help? And then use the other hand. Sometimes my inner child will just draw a picture, Danny, and then speak. And it is really about just work there in terms of that nurturing parent side of yourself because at the beginning you will want to be fixing the picture or writing proper words but as you get into the practice of it that becomes more free and that becomes yeah something that you get better at so I'm sure there are other techniques but that really works for me wow that is just that's blown my mind I cannot wait to not no offense but I can't wait to get off this this session <laughs> so I'm going to do that straight right. away because I, I, I do that sounds amazing. Is that just something that you learned through the Family Constellations course or where did you yeah, learn this? Or I about think, this? Um, yeah, so the book was recommended for me. But yeah, in Family Constellations, we would certainly do a lot of work around our child parts and those inner parts of us that no shadow parts. So yes, yeah, so there's different techniques to get in touch with that. And obviously it's an embodied practice. Family Constellations, we call it soul work. So it is very much tuning into What's my body telling me here? What are my emotions telling me? What is my soul telling me? So various, the variety of different ways that you can use to explore that. Yeah. And different things work for different people. Well, I just even love that. Just that question. I love all those questions. What's my body telling me? That one question there, what's my soul telling me? Yeah. Yeah. How beautiful is that when we're feeling dysregulated or we're feeling not right? What if we, Mm -hmm. yeah, just stop and ask that question. What's my soul telling me right now? Yeah. And that is the real direction, isn't it? It's about, you know, I have word for the year every year, Danny. (laughs) And this year it is for me surrender and surrender in a beautiful way. Surrender to what my soul has in store for me. Because I, the soul knows, I believe, that we like, that we part of ourselves knows what's really mm-hmm. good for us. So. Without getting super woo-woo here, but uh-huh. that's our knowing part. But it's also, for me, it's that, okay, I'm just going to go there. I often sit with my ancestors in meditation and I get this sort of clear download from them. But tuning into the ancestors can be very, very powerful work. It can be very, sound very woo-woo, but it's very powerful. I'm interested because you are an academic uh-huh. and I love this when there's people with this very academic side that when the academic meets the woo-woo, I mean, yeah. how do you get your head around, how do you get your little <laughs> academic or your big academic brain around all that? And just, yeah. is there a certain amount of trust that's involved or? Oh, it's so funny that you should say trust because that is actually what it is about. Uh, so yeah, I'm an academic. It's, been, it's all about evidence for me. Whereas the evidence didn't do a trial on this and you haven't got the statistics to back it up but it's about trust and so many times during this year Danny I've been like this what this is some load of shite like what am I this is the voice in my head what am I doing here like this kind of thing you know but you actually when you see these things unfolding in front of your eyes Danny you can't deny them anymore and there's no randomized control trial in the world is ever going to be able to measure the beauty of the things that you see and the beauty and the changes um, that happen to people and when people's eyes are opened by the things they see that can't be measured that is just it's it's grace it's actually a feeling of grace and that's in the with you when that happens so yeah so that helped and now I completely trust it I have to say I really do so but yeah that was a big journey and I'm nearly embarrassed to tell people that I was doing it Danny because be like what 
at odds end a bit fuzzy but woo as you say so yeah Pretty amazing though, isn't it? No, there is so much more. I'm just convinced of it. There's so, and I trust in it that there's so much more to this bodily experience that we're having. There, there is. We're so out of touch. Yeah. Yeah. We're so out of touch. And we're just, we can and only it, tap into a little bit of it, right? We really can. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting just what you were saying about your ancestors because I really have found, and yeah, and I think that's probably really common for loads of people, Danny, where their immediate family, there's there's so much going on there that it's just like, there's so much to sort out and that's part of the process. But our ancestors can actually be really good resources for us. And what you described there in terms of sitting down and thinking about your ancestors and bringing in and I certainly do it with my grandmothers and my, my grand great-grandmothers just to think about yeah they survived I'm here because they survived and they have passed me down yeah a load of trauma as well and it's the same with my parents they've also set, passed me down these gifts of survival and everything that I carry the mm-hmm. fact that I'm here is because of them mm-hmm. so yeah there I think our ancestors who are gone can be real resources for us when we think about them from that perspective absolutely oh there's so much in it there's so much in it I cannot wait to get you back on to really let's dive deep into the family yeah. constellation stuff as well so tell me Anya what's the greatest gift sobriety has given you so far Oh, absolutely hands down presence, Danny. I have this little list up here that you asked us to write. What 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 is our um yeah, what are we gonna be like whenever we're sober? And I want my first thing on the list is I am present. I just yeah, that's always a continuous practice being present, but at the same time my mind isn't I'm not here while my mind is over there thinking about when I'm gonna get the next drink or what this situation is stop interfering with my drinking and all of that. And even when that all passed. That isn't a feature in my day anymore. It actually, stopping alcohol has given me the gift of doing all of this work and doing other things that actually make me more present. So yeah, that's it, I would say. Yeah, it's the gift of presence, isn't it? I feel like it's the gift of presence, clarity and content. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. One more question I've got for you before you go. What would you say if you could sit, and I know you've sat with younger you now, but what Mm. would you say to to younger, say, 18-year-old Anya, if you could sit and just be with her and have a conversation, what would you say to her? I would say you're good enough. I would say it's okay to say no. And I would say always speak your truth. Mm. (laughs) What a beautiful, yeah. And do you tell yourself that now these days? Yeah, every day, Danny. Every day. Yeah. It's really important. And that finding boundaries and that big no one believing that it's okay to say no, you know, is mm-hmm. as Betty Martin says, no is a complete sentence. And it is, yeah, it's been really important for me. So yeah. And that everything's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna turn out exactly the way it's supposed to. Yeah. Uh, but really believing that is such a gift, you know. Yeah, so beautiful. And people probably think, why does Danny always ask that question? I think now's a good time to share that for people who've been listening. <laughs> the reason I ask people what they'd tell them, their younger selves is usually there's so much wisdom in that, what they'd tell their younger selves. And often we need to hear that now present day, that when I said to you, do you say that to yourself these days? And you said, yes. So happy to hear that because one thing that I would have said to my younger self, I don't think anyone's ever asked me this question on a podcast or maybe but I, I would say to her just be yourself don't follow the crowd and you're the one keep yeah. yourself happy reminding myself that I'm good enough that I'm enough yeah mm-hmm. and if I can keep on reminding myself that these days I stay on a pretty even keel 
It's what I would have needed back then and I still need it to this day. So anything that we think about that we probably would have needed to hear when we were younger, we need to hear it still. Absolutely, we do. Yeah, such good advice there. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. beautiful. You are the complete opposite of a dry drunk. Let me tell you that. The dry drunk (laughs) is, is someone that just takes out alcohol and doesn't do the work. You are incredible and you've done so much work. And I'm just so just in awe of you as well. I just... I, I see the work that you've done and you're doing and oh, just, I'm just, mate, I just love it. I love it. I love you. I just think you're incredible and I love what you're doing and I love watching thank this you, journey Danny. that you're on. Yeah. Thank amazing. you. And thank you for everything. I mean, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if it hadn't been for those six weeks that we spent together and everything since. Um, so thank you. You're doing amazing work. We need, we need you in Ireland, Danny. We definitely do. Hey, listen, I'm coming there with Anya Tyrrell and, uh, I think maybe the three of us, this little trio could do something pretty awesome over there in Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It'd be awesome. Absolutely amazing. Anya, thank you so much. It's just been beautiful to have this conversation with you and yeah, I'm sure we're going to have many more. So thank you so much. Thank you, Danny. Take care. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.